This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy Dini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Hello and welcome to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Joining us for the opposition view this time round, David from Forever Bristol City. How are you? Hiya, good to see you. Good stuff. So we, we're going to get into uh, a few kind of commonalities between Bristol City, the Robins, and of course, Watford, the Hornets. Normally, we would like to go straight in and talk about your season. And I think we might do that. But the first thing I think we have to acknowledge is that what we'd really like to know is how well considered is Mr. Nigel Pearson. We liked Nigel Pearson. He liked wearing gilets. He liked wearing short T-shirts. And he had arms. He has forearms approximately the size of whales, which is really, really quite impressive. If you actually get close you know, to Nigel Pearson, his forearms are just, you just kind of stare at them. We like the man. He was, like many of our managers, with us for a short period of time. How well regarded is Nigel in the context of this season? Nigel came in just over two years ago. He was a manager that many thought we could have had maybe the time before last. He inherited a mess on every level. He was being criticised vehemently as recently as Christmas. And I think the fan base were split. But since Christmas, that good run that we had, which was ended by Man City uh, in the Cup, I think people are behind him now. I would say a year ago, six months ago, the jury was still out because his win rate is only 30, just a fraction Mm -hmm. north of 30%. But he inherited a mess. I mean, our losses are phenomenal. I mean, 38 million, 28 million. And I think this year they're going to be, uh, I'll say circa 20, a financial mess. And he's had to sort all of that out and fair play. It's not been pretty, but he's done it. If we look at your season, we like to look at the, the, you know, this season through the lens of how you've performed home and away and find out if there's anything that you do differently away from home as we're going to be entertaining you this coming Saturday 
or of course, you know, at, at home at, uh, at Ashton Gate. And your, your home stats basically put you in the sort of in and around the middle ground for both home and indeed away. So you've played 21 games at home. You've got a, a, a win number of eight. You've drawn seven and lost six. You've, uh, you've outscored the, the opposition at home by 27 to 21. That gives you 1.47 goals per game, which is not a bad bad figure at all. I think it puts you in and around kind of 10th, 9th sort of area. It's, it's, it's really not too bad. But away from home, it drops down a little bit. You're kind of down in about 13th, 14th. Played 20, won only five, drawn seven and lost eight. And of course, you're seeing a slight reversal in the for and against column, scoring 23 and conceding 29 points per game. 1.1. Most teams have a, have a lower points per, you know, per game away. Do you set up differently at home to away or is it just a, you know, it's just the way it goes with kind of home game advantage, do you think, David? Up until this season, the away form had probably be the strongest aspect of the club for many years. I mean, the tail end of Johnson's uh, reign, our away form was good. And in fact, I think we were maybe the year before last, the top the top points away from home within the EFL, even though we finished mid-table on both of those seasons. So home form has been better. I think most City fans would agree that home form this season, it's been a bit more enjoyable to watch because, again, I can't say I speak for most City fans, but for me, ever since that famous win over Man United in the 2017-18 mm-hmm. season, it's not been pretty. And we have marginal improvements, but then when we came back after COVID, Johnson lost the first four games and then he was out. And then they brought Dean Holden in, who's done a reasonable job at at Charlton. But getting back to home and away, we are better away. And our stats prove it this season because we've Mm -hmm. scored more goals on the break. I think this was on Sky the other day. More goals on quick breaks. You know, we're in the top four in the division for goals scored for breakaways. Yeah. Most of the matches that we win, we end up having possession circa 40%. And it's not what you do, how long you've got the ball. Mm-hmm. It's what you do when you have got it. So if we have a lot of the ball, we aren't that clever, really. Away should suit us, but we've been better at home. I mean, to be near the top half of the division, you need to be winning home at this stage of the season. Home wins should be in double figures by now. Yeah. And I don't think we've had double figures home wins for about four years. That shows how bad our home form has been. This is Ronnie Rosenthal speaking, and you are listening to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. In terms of the, the, the kind of football you play and the shape that you tend to play, how many, how many players are you playing up front? We seem to be committed in the championship to only ever having one striker, if that on occasions. Are you playing two up or are you playing one up in the main? We started the season very much with uh, a 3-5-2, but it varies, right? But let's, let's pick our success since the turn of the year mm-hmm. has been down to playing with a flat-back four. If you look at the team now, we've got no Alex Scott at the moment because he's injured. Ooh. Yeah, he might get the last two or three games of the season to boost his transfer value. He's obviously not But if you look at the side on Saturday, it was a straight back four with George Tanner assigning from Carlisle, a right back, who struggled until the last six months to get up to the demands of championship football. Zach Viner in the middle. Now, were it not for injuries, you'd have Thomas Callas, the ex-Chelsea player, and 
Middlesbrough and Fulham up. Callas has been out for all bar two games for a year now. And Rob Atkinson, central defender, he's out. So we've got Cameron Pring playing alongside Zach Viner and then the ex-Chelsea player Jada Silva. So that's a back four. In midfield, everybody will know these two names because they were ex-players of, well, Pearson's guys when he was at Leicester. Matty James and Andy King lined up in yep. midfield as a two. And then we had a very... It was almost 4-2-4, as I would call it, in old days. But we had, along the front, Andy Vyman, uh, Naki Wells, uh, Tommy Conway was... Uh, he, sorry, Tommy Conway came on as a sub, I think, or did he start? I can't remember. And then on the left side, Sam Bell. It, depending on who's available, it's got a very offensive look about it and light in midfield. He happened upon the back four, did Pearson, by accident because he set up start the season to play with wing-backs. And, and one of the wing-backs that you signed was one of the ones that, that Watford were looking at, or or certainly the fans were looking at, because at the time we had Rob Edwards, he's now at Luton, obviously, was yeah. uh, was was Kane, Kane Wilson. Funny um, you should mention Kane Wilson, because we were talking about this on the, our podcast. Kane Wilson came as player with the most assists, a very attack-minded right wing-back, you mm-hmm. know, very good going forward. He didn't make the starting lineup at the start of the season. And I think there's been a realisation that the step up from League Two to the Championship physically, Kane Wilson has not had a look in. Now, that's a combination, I would say, of injury, but I don't think he's Pearson's favourite player. And this weekend, in fact, the game that we've just we've just finished, you know, the game against Borough, Wilson didn't even make the match day squad, right? And this was a little article in the press about it. And he said, he said, Kane Wilson is an attacking, he's not a defender. Yeah. And, and he, 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 play, he put on the bench two players, two youngsters that have been nowhere near the first team. There's a little bit of uncertainty whether Kane Wilson has a future at the club. When we signed him, same reason you guys wanted him. You know, it was a good mm-hmm. player to get in, but he... The cameo appearances that he made, he looks unfit. And that's a theme that is there, whether he's got the right level of fitness to play at this level. And as I say, we've gone to a back four now. The player that kept him out when we started the season, because that brilliant start we had to the season, was a guy called Sykes, who we'd signed from Oxford United, who said, well, I never played at wing-back before. He was essentially a right-sided uh, right-sided attacking midfielder with a bit of a mm-hmm. wing aspect to it. Yeah, He kept Kane Wilson out. Then he got injured. Long, long answer to the question, he's not featured. And all the indications are that he doesn't really have a future at the club. Because why not give him a few minutes in a few matches? Mm. Because Tanner's been so successful at right-back, I'll say, over the last three months. Sykes, who got sent off against Cardiff for doing a David Beckham kick on the player that had just Mm -hmm. fouled him. He could have played on the right in a wide offensive role. And he's probably a better crosser, as somebody said on Twitter, our Twitter feed today. He's a better crosser of the ball than people that are playing wide right at the moment. So, yeah, interesting. You, You were after him as well. We were strongly linked with him because we had the, you know, we took the Forest Green manager um, yeah. for, for about three and a half weeks as yeah. his Watford's way. And because he, because it was, it was Rob Edwards who kind of got him to becoming, I mean, he was the League Two player of 
the That's season. Right. Yeah. And he'd, he'd done, you know, as you say, I think it was something like 16 or 17 assists. And it was really called out as a real significant uh, yeah. uh, position that, that we we just never actually recruited anybody for. So it was, yeah. again, it was another situation where you wonder whether or not there's those internal communications actually going on, bordering on politics within the squad about, or within the club about, well, no, it's what you need, but it's not what you're getting. Uh, in the same way, as you say, with, with Pearson, if he's putting two youngsters on the bench, when he could be utilising him, it's is it sending a signal in terms of his, in terms of his uh, in terms of his future? He didn't play for the under twenty ones today, and you'd have thought so. Whether he's got another niggling injury in the background, because we used to, our training ground is not called a training ground; it's called the high the high performance centre, right? Well, we've renamed it. <laughs> well, of course, we've, we've, we've renamed it. You got Mark. We've got Mark Ashton to thank for that, mine. But oh, that's a there's a name. Oh, there's oh, a name. Oh, All right. Let's not unturn that stone. We we call it the hamstring probability centre because the number of soft the number of soft tissue industries that we've had, you know, and we just wonder what the hell's going on out there. But no, getting back to Kane Wilson, we'd like to have seen more of him. But the fact that he's not featuring in the meaningless games that we're now in, maybe you might give him a run out against June, put him in the shop window, but highly unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, every time we face one of the many, you know, kind of right wing backs that we've been kind of linked with, they've always ripped us apart. So it's probably not a bad idea to do. Hello, my name's Chris Stark. I'm from BBC Radio one that peter crouch podcast and you are listening to the do not scratch your eyes podcast we we are going to go on to uh now each each time we play an opposition i decide that i'm going to pick out who i think is your star man and right. many opposition uh fans have pointed out the fact that i'm not a fan of their club and i don't know what i'm talking about and actually what i'm mainly doing is talking complete bollocks you have the option to tell me if this is the case i would suggest that bristol city star man we did discuss him earlier on is alex scott we, when we played you we ha- it was it was a it was a dreadful game to watch it was nil nil yeah. the no, last no. game before the world cup almost everybody saw this young man and simply purred, you know, and the stats don't necessarily stack up as impressively as some star men that we've put together. But he seems to be what a what a player to have, what potential he's got. Tell us a little bit about all right. About, let me tell you about, about, about Alex Scott. Alex Scott is from Guernsey, and we have a connection in Guernsey, not least because the chairman's got a great big house over there. Yeah, Brian Tinian spotted him, or he was recommended as a 16-year-old. He came over here, you know, he got he well, say forced his way. He played most of last season as a right wing back. He never sort of played in his true position, but he, you could see he had talent. You can't put your finger on it, but as you said, nil-nil draw, he's the outstanding player on the mm. field. Right? This season, he's played more in his regular position, but what is his regular position? Is it in a 10? What is it? You know, is he Because he's not a hard player. He wins more fouls than any other player in the division because he's got a very clever knack of getting himself knocked over. When we played Man City in the Cup, he looked at home amongst better quality players. Mm-hmm. But you've just picked up on it. His statistics, 37 appearances, one goal, five assists. For me, if somebody is going to be worth 25 million, which is a number that's being quoted, I would expect him to be imposing himself on games in a very impressive way and not the occasional good touch. He doesn't boss the midfield. I think he'll flourish in the Premier League with better players around him. I mean, how many other members of the England under-20 team have had as many minutes on the pitch? In The championship is unforgiving. All those under-20 players, they're in the, the squads of Premiership teams. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So he's got a lot of miles on his belt. His head seems screwed on the right way as well. He seems a sensible lad. But I think if we can sell him for anything above 20 million with add-ons, we'll have done well. And as somebody said, the last three games when he's been out injured, we drew against Reading, we won at Stoke, and we drew against Bell. We've had three games without him and a, quite a weak inside as well. And we haven't missed him. So the touches that you see, the goals, the assists when he has done, it captures the imagination. But at 20 million, I'd be driving him there because I think we need, I think, <laughs> yeah. we, need, I think we need 20 million quid more than we need Alex Scott. Yeah? yeah. And if you look at our final four games of the season, Scott won't be back for your game, our game against you. But it'd be nice to see Scott come back for, say, Rotherham, Burnley and QPR, the final three. Maybe score a goal and do a couple of assists and get everybody into it. Some people have said somebody might loan him back to us for a season because if he goes to anything top half of the division, he's not going to be. He's going to be sat on the bench. You're absolutely right. Last season he had he had over two and a half thousand minutes, which is yeah. pretty bloody good for somebody who then would have been at 18. A lot of it, you're absolutely right. Placed him as a sort of a right sided midfield. This season it's all been down in in and around the centre, and he's already done over three thousand minutes. Which yeah. you know for, for a player to have those two seasons back to back, still only being 19 at the moment, is is really really quite yeah. something. Do you do you think though that it is fair to pin him a star man, or do you think I am wrong? Which Carlos will love you for. Forever, if you say so. I, I think if he was playing, you'd have to pin him as a star man. If okay. you were looking for a star man he's going to feature on Saturday, you might say Cam Pring, <laughs> who's sort of made it. Nigel Pearson's nurtured him because he was a player that joined us as a youngster and was out on loan here, there and everywhere. And everybody thought he was going to leave. And he's coming. He's going to play left of a cent. He's going to play left in the middle. But he's an up and coming player. I mean, look, the thing is, we've got it right with our academy now. Again, not a statistic I calculated, but one that I heard at the weekend of the 50 goals that we've scored this season. 41 of them have come from or been assisted by players through our academy. That's a pretty damn good record in my view. This is Neil Cox. We do not scratch our eyes. Thank you very much to all the Watford supporters. Here are three players who have played for both Watford and for Bristol City. And what the first thing I'm going to ask you to do, David, if you will, we're going to take it in turns to see if we can name them all, because I'm sure you will have no problems selecting one of the three players here and naming them. I can't say the same thing about Justin. So let's uh, let's crack on. Uh, David, can you name any one of the three players that you see oh, in front of you there? Photo. All right. Well, the middle one is Keith. Keithy, good old Keithy Millen, who's got a job oh. at the EFL, I heard the other Keith day already. Yeah. Carlos, who, who else might oh, you like to it. pick out? Go there? to Carlos next, yeah, there's because there's an obvious one there. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not that obvious. I mean, that's it's... massive hair. But um, that is David James. That is indeed David James of both of both the, 
these postcodes and of course Bristol City as well. So Justin, Justin, yeah. can you name the the final player on the left? Who might that be? When resplendent in the Bristol City. Did he play for Bristol City after us or before us? Um he played after us. I don't know. I'm gonna say Jamie Hand, but I could be completely wrong. It's not. Do we have any offers for who this might be? A, this is this is a player who uh, who kind of who, who split who split the Vicarage Road uh, audience because some people thought he was useless, other people thought he was completely useless. So you know, div- division <laughs> of opinion. It's Mr. Gerard Lavin. Gerard Lavin. Gerard Lavin. Oh, if you wow. recall, he. he name. I'll tell you a story about Gerard Lavin. I think it was the <laughs> opening ahead. game of the season that he played for Bristol City. I'm sure this is Gerard Lavin. And the opening game of the season, it was about 99 season, that's right. The opening game of the season was at Reading and he kicked the ball. And I think he meant to kick it into a hoarding, but he actually missed the hoarding and knocked out a fan or something like that. <laughs> Superb. Are you going to say about David James? Because I, yep. I yeah, right, because David James, when he played for you guys, and this mm-hmm. is going back to, it was the final game of 92... No, 91-92 season. And right. we then, we were under the managership of yeah. Dennis Smith at the time. Oh, yes. And we have people like, do you remember the names like Ray Atterveld, yes. Mark yes. Hazelwood and people like that. And you beat us 5-2 on the last day of the season. And we had certainly two players sent off that day. And that was in the days I used to do stuff on local radio at the time. And it was a miserable end of the season, losing 5-2 to you lot. But when we signed David James in the summer of 2010 that yeah. was a vanity signing that summer we'd been out and signed the manager that was gonna do for us what he'd done for reading and that was steve Coppel. i don't think steve Coppel sanctioned that signing and steve Coppel lasted two games at bristol city before yeah. he walked i think it would have been a bit of a different story had steve Coppel been allowed to bring with him Wally Downs, who did all his stuff on the yeah. training ground, mm-hmm. and Nicky Hammond, who did all the player contracts. Yeah. So yeah. Koppel was not on the training ground. That Reading success was due to the, that group. But anyway, cut to the chase. And when Koppel went, Keithy got put in charge. He didn't do too bad a job. We liked, we liked Keith Millen an awful lot. I mean, when we signed him, he'd been with Brentford for about 130 years yeah. playing at centre-back. And he's a nice bloke. He is oh. a very nice bloke. Well, well, we were shipping goals like it was, you know, we well, like it was this season, to be quite frank. We were giving them away. And on, on the final day of the transfer window, when the transfer window wasn't in January, it was like in sometime in March or something or other yeah. like that, we signed uh, Colin Foster, Keith Millen, who was probably the most understated of all the signings. We signed a certain Tommy Mooney on loan and a guy called Dennis Bailey from QPR. How is Keith Millen regarded? Because at Watford, everybody who remembers him playing will love him. But he's, he seemed to have had a... a, a a gig with you in, in in charge. He then went to Crystal Palace as an assistant manager to literally loads of managers, including Ian Holloway, which does nobody any good. I mean, I think we can agree Ian Holloway, just as a concept, just shouldn't exist, really. Make make it a lot easier. Yeah. Blackpool fans also agree. He was just one of these understated, did enough that season to keep us up. It was great. 97-98, the season where you and us were going head-to-head. You had John Ward in John charge. Ward. Great John man. Ward, and, uh, who was with Graham Taylor at Lincoln. He brought him to Watford. At Watford, he was uh, an assistant manager. Yeah. Went out went out on his own when, when Graham Taylor went to Aston Villa. But that, that, was a, that was a great season. And it was really lovely because I remember the game where we came down and confirmed 
promotion. You'd already got it uh, down at Ashton Gate. And as you say, I can't remember if it was 1-1 or 0-0. We didn't really care either way. We were all up and it was all a bit of a loving. And I do what I remember about that match, because it was a bit of a showpiece. I think it was on telly. And we played an American football game on it within the preceding seven days and the pitch looked a bloody mess. It, it was, it was. Mm. You're absolutely right. Graham Taylor was basically talking in the, in the, the press because they, you know, the press are always trying to big something up and find some potential rivalry, which, well, good luck between John Ward and Graham Taylor because basically yeah. it was just a question of we going out for dinner, you know, um, you know, and, and the wives won't let us bicker even if we wanted to, nor would we. Yeah. Gr- great stuff, great stuff. I'm going to ask you to put these three players, give them, award them bronze, silver and gold in terms of their legacy at Bristol City, I suggest we might know who third place might go to on the basis that you couldn't recognise him. Third place, and that's a lucky bronze, it's Gerard Lavin. In second place with the silver is David James. You know, he he, he was at the tail end of his career. He lives down in the, in the West Country now anyway. Mm-hmm. The top place has to be to uh, Keith Millen because he was known as Teflon Keith by some because he survived various managers there. Top man, nice bloke, so the goal goes to Keith. Justin, I'm going to go to you for the Watford positioning. Do you agree with that? Labin in bronze, James in silver and Millen in gold. What are your thoughts? I think that's right, actually. David James was... I remember yeah, I David James breaking through the youth team in the late 80s. I don't think he had a particularly long and illustrious career at Watford. And I think if I was to to place him above uh, Millen in, in my book, that wouldn't be right. So I'm going to agree with David. It's going to be Lavin, then James and then... Um, Millen. Carlos? That, that's a full house. Yeah, full oh. house. I, I can't. Exactly oh. the same. Let's get back to, though, the completely rubbish DNSYE prediction league. We have been stinking out the place for the entire season with this dog of an idea that I had. But similar to Starman, we're, we're maintaining it nonetheless. So what we've basically been having, we've been, yes, giving predictions, but we've been keeping a league table. And so far, at the moment, bringing us up to date, Carlos bringing up the rear in 17 points. The EFL, so the good burgers of all the opposition clubs, including Luton Town, who got three points the other day, not only in the game, but in this bloody thing as well. Thanks very much, Billy. Are on 19 points and Justin is on 21 points. So we always go to our guests first of all. What do you think, David? What do you think the score is going to be? Watford versus Bristol City, Vicarage Road. I'm going to say an optimistic one all. Optimistic. (laughs) One all is gone. Have you what seen us play this season? No, I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the fact that the last I think it's the last 15 we've only beaten you three times in the last 15 attempts. The, the clever money is always on one all, which is why Justin is currently headbutting his microphone because it's normally the place he likes to go. The funny thing is he's on 21 points. I tallied it up earlier. If somebody had just said one all the entire season, they'd be winning this rubbish on 35 points. Really, seriously? So, so, yeah, <laughs> one all one all hasn't been your problem. It's when you've gone oh, no, I think we're going to do even worse. <laughs> or because I, I mean, look, the last time we played you, it was Dean Holden's last game in charge. It, yes, the last it time we played you, the six, was, sorry. It, yeah. it, it, was a, it was a straight six, a new pulverizer Saturday. Mm. So, you know, no, I think an optimistic one-all based on level of performance in the last few games, because we got it back together. We had a bad run after the Man City. That, that was our first defeat in, uh, well, it was match 13 of the new year, and we lost. 
to them. And then we went on a bit of a dodgy run. We won one in seven, but then we've come back with five points in the last three games, two draws and the win against Stoke. There's logic and reason behind a 1-1 prediction. Normally it's just Justin going, oh, I don't know, 1-1. Carlos, what are you going to go for? What's your prediction? This is such a tough... I'd say I would have gone one all. You'd have just done it just to stitch him up, wouldn't you? I know. Well, there is that. Yeah, I would have. I really want to be positive going into this game, but I'm I'm struggling. I'm going to say Watford nil, Bristol City two. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was you struggling yet being positive. Yeah. I'd take that. Yeah. I bet you would. <laughs> I, can't see, I, can't, I can't I just can't see I just can't see us getting any more points this season. I really can't. <laughs> no, you, you sound like a QPR fan. I oh, know. Yeah, they've beaten <laughs> us. They beat us twice this season. They beat us. They were the, we, the last team. The, yeah. yeah. The, the, twice this season they've beaten us. We we have scored goals recently. So we scored two against Huddersfield. Oh. We've scored two against Coventry. So we are scoring goals. I assume it's still going to be Ben Hamer in goals. Batman's still suspended. No, ba- no ba- ba- Batman, Batman had two yellows. So he should be So he, he should, should be, be back. Uh, yeah. Um, I... I think we'll win. I'm going to go for a 1-0 Watford win just to really annoy us because we think the season's over and then it's just going to spark some people and go, see, another three wins and we're in sixth place. We're in the playoffs. Calm yourself down there. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say a 1-0 Watford win, but who knows with Watford. You turn up and think, this should be good, and then you walk home going, that was terrible. So, yeah, let's go for a 1-0 Watford win. To be fair, the unofficial uh, Watford motto is expect nothing and you won't be disappointed. That's that's kind of our unofficial motto. Uh, and I think we should have that under the moose next season. Thank you very much. Do not scratch your eyes! If, if we're both in the same division next season, I think it's likely. We should do this again, I think. It's been uh, absolutely Definitely. brilliant to Definitely. speak to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's, uh, been, it's been great. Thank you, David. Lovely All stuff. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.